Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Things have been kind of crazy with the holidays starting in full force here in the U.S. and in our household. So, um, as always, the podcast is late and who knows what. But we're bringing it back to you with this episode. Yeah, I mean, you get it when you get it. That's just kind of where we are. I, I don't know. Probably I'd, not next week either. Yeah, next week I will be Oconus. It's my birthday week. And I'll be celebrating the big 4-0 in Japan. And I am super, super excited and also super freaking out. So, you know. So those of you who got on a trip, like it's bad enough to go and get yourself together, but I also am like, okay, we got to get everything else that's being left behind. Jason's staying with our kids, so I got to make sure that they're all set. Um, and then like, I want to make sure our tree gets put, Christmas tree gets put up before I leave. It's madness. And it's the end of the semester. And of course, this crazy person is teaching three classes. So yeah, term papers. I made some good choices this time, folks. <laughs> yeah, it'll be over soon. Yeah, um, I'll just be comatose till January. Thanks. Um, I'll resurface then. We'll see how it goes. You gonna hibernate for a month? Like all of January. I'm gonna tell my boss. Like I, I just think I'm taking all of my sick leave now. I can't handle life. It's been too much. <laughs> But we don't want to leave you guys hanging. I know we got to keep going with the top 100, keep bringing you those awesome games, and we've got some really, really good games on this episode. But before we even get into that, let's start with a little newsy news. Uh, that was new. I don't know why I said that like that. Anyway. <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. I was just letting you do you, and then I was... Uh... Just going to sit here and be quiet. I had some candy, like just like leftover Halloween candy, actually. Some little, the little fun size ones. Um, I had two for my kids and apparently I'm wired on some sugar. That was all it took. Uh, so in news, I want to talk about a game that just, it caught my eye because I really like the look of it. And then Jason's like, oh, hey, that artist, we were in Santiago. And I was like, of course, I like the look of it. And that game is Kelp. So Kelp is a two-player game, and it's shark versus octopus. And in reading and looking at this Kickstarter, it's really made to, uh, I, I guess, some of the actions of the shark and the octopus like are supposed to mimic what they do in real life and how they interact, which I think is amazing. So it's really asymmetric. Like the shark is more of like um, a tactical kind of side where you're actually doing some d bag building with dice which I think is really cool and you are trying to use dice to move around the board and you're hunting the octopus and the octopus has kind of like a deck builder component on that side where you're kind of manipulating the board and you're using these cards to like move around blocks and like hide from the octopus which I think that's so cool. Like using these mechanics differently. I, that's awesome. Um, Jason and I do every once in a while play some two player games. And it is really cool to play like different 
types different ways and then like switch and then try it the other way like um we played lawyer up not that long ago and like okay well you take the prosecution i'll take the defense because they have different things that are happening and so it makes it it makes it i think for me a better gaming experience because i'm not playing against i'm not trying i'm not playing to beat jason i'm kind of i'm playing a completely different like my own kind of thing but yet it is a two-player game maybe that doesn't make sense i don't know um, there's really cool components for this These custom blocks There's even a shark mini Which is cool It's a pajama shark I never heard of that kind of shark But apparently It exists uh, <laughs> I don't So there's some really cool Especially the deluxe components Are outrageous I don't know if they're You know necessary But they look awesome especially like uh on the deluxe you get this octopus mini and the octopus actually holds this like fatty coin it's a metal coin that tells you like what your hand size is for the cards from the octopus side of things which i think that's really intriguing there's also um you can get some mini expansions uh with the kickstarter version of this as well which i think is cool there's like a jellyfish that can enter in and there's some different zones so like the shark is really trying to to make this network to help it move across the board easier to get to the octopus quicker. Um, where your octopus is can do a couple different things. Uh, the octopus can even set like traps uh, for the shark, which I think is kind of cool. Um, but your blocks are going to help you play cards. You can move the blocks around, which the blocks also kind of, um, the shark is moving around those, trying to use like currents, searching through what the blocks are to try and find you. Um, I, all these abilities on the cards, like, and then there's a couple different ways to win. Like the shark wins by attacking the octopus successfully. The octopus wins by surviving until the shark is exhausted or by eating all four seafoods. So a couple different types of winning conditions. It just looks really, really cool. And of course, the Weavers in Santiago art is awesome. So if you like two-player games, if you like sharks and octopuses, octopi. I think actually octopuses is technically correct, but I don't like that. I prefer octopi. Either way, check out Kelp. There are seven days left on that Kickstarter. And it's $50. Yeah, all I know about this is asymmetrical two-player roles and Weavers in Santiago. It can be poop in a box. And uh, as long as that box is covered in Weavers in Santiago art, I'm in. So I was like, but yeah. it would be beautiful poop. <laughs> it would be Santiago. beautiful poop. Yep, that's true. <laughs> uh, my next one is a game that probably isn't my type of game necessarily. But I looked at it and I'm like, dang, this looks kind of cool. And that game is called Firefighters on Duty. Uh, and this, I definitely, I heard about because Fan Zero happens to also be one of these um, heroes. And he's like, I, I think I got to back this game. And I'm like, okay, sure. So then I started checking it out. So this is a real-time cooperative board game. But it's supposed to play quickly, like 30 to 45 minutes, which I think is really interesting. 
Um, but it's real time. So you are firefighters. You're working you're working in the fire department and you are facing disasters like in these different scenarios. So you're rolling action dice. There's two minute rounds. So you're like extinguishing fires. You're helping injured people. You're answering distress calls, you know, doing all these things to keep cities safe like firefighters do in real life. So there's this board. It's got different scenarios. Apparently you can also design your own scenario. It shows kind of the layout of the city, different places, things happening. There is some cool like, bits in this game you have like a little i don't know if it's your personal player board or if it's the whole team's board but there's a fire truck that has spots for your little firefighter meeples there's spots for these dice um you've got special dice that show different actions on them you've got a big fire engine that actually moves out on the board uh, which I think is super cool. Little like meeples that are like hoses and little fire meeples and civilian meeples, um, firefighter meeples, all the cool meeples. So the firefighters show up with their hatchet. Yeah. It, it looks really awesome. Like I just think it looks like a super thematic game with really awesome components. I am always like, oh, I don't like real time games, but um we just played fit to print which is real time and i actually think that there's something about that it really lends the the theme in that game of like a deadline for a paper and i think that it really does the same for this and i really want my own fire engine meeple so if you are interested in real time and cooperative in the theme of firefighting um check out firefighters on duty there are nine days left on that kickstarter and it's 65 dollars I think the theme is cool. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't. The real time thing really turns me off, but it could be cool. Fit the prints great, like you said. So maybe this is good. And I'm sure we know some since uh, Mike is backing it. I'm sure that we'll have the opportunity to play it at some point. So I hope there so. is that. And that's all I have for news today. All right, so let's talk about some games that we played. We're not going to belabor this point because we have a lot of other games to talk about. So let's get going. Uh, the first game we played, well, uh, yeah, both of these were on this uh, big gaming weekend that we had with some friends. And the first one that we played is called Sushi Boat. And this is from Japanime. And this is a game about, well, eating sushi. Uh, the interesting thing about this is uh, there's these little plates with a with a piece of sushi on it. And it's going to be moving along this conveyor belt. And in the back of the conveyor belt, some of the sushi is going to get hidden. And the way this game works is on your turn, you're going to be flipping a card and you're going to be placing a worker out these certain spots to try to eat sushi or use the ability of these workers that are working at that spot. Every so often, though, you'll flip a card and it'll be a wasabi challenge. And you have to bet on or guess, I guess, which colors of sushi, which types of sushi are under the spot on the boat that you can't see. If you get that right, you get some wasabi, which is worth some points at the end. You're trying to eat dishes of certain colors to score points and all the different types to score points. Uh, play these cards that you acquire and every wasabi to token that you have is worth some points as well. There's also like a contract menu thing you can do if you want to to score extra points, but it's a variant. Um, it's a pretty light game. It's a set collection game of sorts with some worker placement beats. Uh, the best part of it is probably the conveyor belt boat pushing those little plates around so they get hidden and all that stuff and they push off and they go to the trash uh that was a cool gimmick and you know how i feel about gimmicks so um yeah i i like this game i don't love it but 
I would definitely play it if somebody wanted to play it. And it looks fantastic on the table. So how did you feel about Sushi Boat? I really liked it. And this is another game where I thought about it a considerable amount after I played it. Like, yes, the gimmick of pushing these plates around the sushi conveyor belt is fun. It definitely is. Um, And also, it made me really want conveyor belt sushi. Because it really is cool um, that you're stacking them up, which is what you do at a conveyor belt restaurant. And the colors matter. I I don't think I understood the game very well (laughs) when we started playing it. Because I was like, oh, I didn't manage this well. And I got like a really terrible score because I really didn't know what I was doing. Um, But it is one of those that I think with the worker placement to get you to different types of sushi and what you want to get and that you can also use these workers nearby as, as well as using um, like trying to get these special, what are they called? Side cards or <sighs> side dishes or something. I yeah. Don't know. There's like a lot, kind of a lot of stuff going on as well as just the wasabi challenges where you're trying to remember what's hidden in part of the conveyor belt. Like, I, I really want to play this one again because I think I can do better. Um, plus, it's just fun to pick up the little plates and stuff. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And I would like to get my hands on this one. Yeah, I I would play it. It's it's a, a cool theme for sure. Like, the sushi theme is always fun and a gimmick. I love gimmicks. So, there, there we go. Uh, my uh, Not my number something. Uh, the next game we actually played with Fan Zero. And this is a game that I'd never heard of before, but the theme is cool. Uh, something about uh, fairy tales and stuff and things. Uh, the game is called Paradise Lost. And this is effectively Takedo meets Clue um, for all intents and purposes. Um, everyone's going to take on the role of this different um, character. Like, one of us was Billy Goat's Gruff. I was Aladdin, I think. I don't know. But a bunch of different characters. And you're you're moving around this board trying to figure out what weapon and what character were removed from the game and hidden under the board at the beginning of the game. So along the way, uh, you're going to be picking, visiting these different locations, getting coins, getting these different resources. And every, I don't know, fourth of the board, you're going to hit this um, area where you're going to be asking questions of other players. And they're going to pass you cards similar to Clue. Um, and you're going to be narrowing down what those cards that you're trying to figure out are. Uh, I think there's four or five different areas where you're going to be asking questions. Um, there's also this thing in the middle with some weird triangle tiles that try to point to something that's kind of weird. But after we make it all the way around the board... Everyone gets a guess to see who the person is and what the weapon is. And if you're right, you win, just like Clue. If you're not, you keep your mouth shut and you're out and someone else can try. Um, I liked it. It's Clue and Takedo. Uh, I felt like the Takedo part was kind like going to the different locations was kind of the same. You go to this place and get coins. You go to this place and get some gems. You go to this place and trade coins for gems. You go to this place to get cubes or you can trade coins and gems for cubes. Um, and then you go ask some questions, spending the resources that you got to possibly ask questions. Um, it was fine. It, the thing in the center with the triangles was weird. Um, I like this probably as much as I like clue. 
it was easier for me because there's only two things to figure out instead of three. So that's always a plus. But um, theme was cooler. The art was fine. Um, but yeah, it was. I didn't hate it. It was it was good, and it's a game I never heard of, and it's kind of nice to play some of those sometimes because sometimes they're amazing. But this one was not amazing, but I didn't hate it. So how do you feel about Paradise Lost? It looked really cool, and I think the concept is really cool. Um, I just felt like it wasn't integrated. So I like the Takedo mechanic. Like that's that's awesome, um, and I like deduction. However, I just felt like the two, and then the, and then there was this other, like I guess, um, area control kind of piece in the center. You talking about the triangle thing? Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know what that was. That I just pretend like that's not in there. Um, but every it just felt disjointed. Like I, I think it's with the idea of okay, I'm gonna go to Kaido style around the sport to these different types of locations, and they're gonna give me things, but those things would integrate probably like closer with the deduction piece. That would make a lot more sense, but they didn't. They almost seemed very, very separate. I mean, they sort of could work together, uh, but but not really. But not really. Um. Because sometimes, like, oh, I need this certain thing to ask my questions to help with my deduction. Um, but you didn't always. <laughs> and I don't feel like it was a real advantage. So either it needs to be a complete, a complete way of scoring points outside of the deduction piece. Or it needs to be like, okay, well, if you go to these places, you'll get like this kind of a hint or, you know, this type of thing. It just needs to be integrated better. And I think it would be a really cool, really innovative game. But I just don't think it was thought through all the way. So it seemed like these different types of mini games are kind of tacked together. Um, and you just had to go with it. So, yeah, I, I, I didn't love it. Yeah, I do agree. I feel like the Takedo part, like... There should have been some, like, you know how um, Mr. The Abbey has points? Yes. There should have definitely been some kind of point. Like, I can spend 15 gems to get, I don't know, six points or something. And then if you guess it correctly at the end, you get 10 points. Yeah, I don't know. Like, there should have been some kind of point thing. I agree. That would have made the Takedo part feel better. But it was just a, a lot of conversions and collecting things for possibly no reason at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so um, those are the games we played. We've played a lot, but you know, for the sake of time, that's what we're talking about today. So let's just keep going and counting down our favorite games of all time. Yes, now for the main event. Um, outside of the podcast, on some Facebook Live videos, we've been doing the top 100 outside of the 100. Um and so within the 100, we are up to number 70 through 56. So these are some really serious games that we love. Although Jason's list is fake news. So he may or may not love the games that he has listed on here. I'm not even sure anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's true. As far Just take my list with a grain of salt. <laughs> it's like he just spun around and put it at games in our game room and wrote them down in the order he found them. Yeah, I threw a dart, and whatever I hit, that's what's uh, on my list. Yeah, so pick your first random game at number 70. 
All right, so my first random game of number 70 is a Bruno Catala game with the co-designer, and I can't remember who it is. It's from Days of Wonder, and it is called Yamatai. And this is a game where you're basically building little routes with these different colored boats, which are representing different resources. And you're trying to build around certain hexes these different color patterns. So in order to build a building, maybe this hex needs to have two yellows and a green ship. If I can place boats using my route or any other route that's there, and I can get these three boats there, then I can build this type of building. And I put a little thing in there, um, and it's going to score some points. There's different types of buildings you can build. There are different um, special characters that you can acquire throughout the game. And the cool thing is at the beginning of each round, there's some turn order pieces that you're trying to bid for or to take. Uh, Lower number is going to be a not as good thing, but you'll get to go first. And the higher number you take, you're going to go last in turn order, but you're going to have a cool bonus, like maybe some extra ships or uh, you get a peek at some stuff or whatever. Uh, So you're just trying to collect boats, the colors you need, fulfill these contracts, build buildings, and maybe win the game. That's it. It looks fantastic. Um, Lots of cool wooden bits. I'm a big fan of Bruno Catala games. He doesn't really make a game that I don't like. Um, But yeah, so this one's no exception. So my number 70, Yamatai. That one's just so pretty too. And lots of tactile fun pieces like Days of Wonder makes that I really love. Uh, My number 70, however, a little bit more on the gruesome side, based on a true story, which I love. And there's even an expansion that has carny folk. Watch out. It's the bloody end. My number 70. Uh, gosh, we I know we've talked about the Bloody End a lot, but it's just a really fun card game with um, a really crazy theme. So you own an inn, and you are want people to come stage your inn, and you also maybe want to kill them off, because um, then you get money for them. But then you also have to bury them, because you can't have these pesky bodies laying around, and sometimes, like, the 5-0 shows up, and you can't let the fuzz find the bodies. You could just kill off the fuzz. That's a whole other thing. You also got to pay your henchmen. I mean, it's just difficult, really, to run an inn where you murder people. But that's what this game is about, uh, and that challenge is is pretty fun. Um, we have an expansion... I don't know why it's called the Carney. Is it called Carnies? Yeah, it's, it's actually Carnies that come and stay at the end. The end, um, yeah. So sometimes they help you. You can get the Carnies on your side. Uh, give you maybe some extra places to hide some some dead bodies. It's just the like macabre theme that I, for some reason, I just love the, those themed games. I don't know what this is about me as a person, but there you have it. Um but just the gameplay is really unique. You always want to do more than you you can. There's just not enough. You you can only you can only take one action in your turn, and there's never enough time in the round to get done everything that you want. So you're like, "Cool, we're just gonna hope that we find this body. I can't be afforded to pay in the you know the penalty for for that, or let's hope no cops come out." Like, hey, it's so fun. But again, a very very simple in gameplay because there's really just a few things that you can do in your turn. Um, is the art on this Weaver in Santiago? It is. The art is cool, also. I mean, obviously. So it's it's just such a good game. My number seventy, the Bloody End. Yeah, good game for sure. Um, my number sixty nine is actually a game that we haven't played for a long time. 
we had a weird two-player game that's not good, and then we played it again with, uh, I think, Brandon, and he didn't like it, um, and we haven't played it since. But the game is Goo Gong. Uh, this is from Game Brewer. We've actually backed this on Kickstarter. Uh, we have the nice, shiny version and everything. Uh, and this is a game about... It's a, a worker placement game, sort of, but your workers are these cards that are representing gifts. And what you're trying to do is you're going to a different location. There's like seven or eight different locations on the board, and each location does a different thing. Like you may collect jade. You may be building the wall. You may be moving across um, the land collecting these little tiles. You may be moving up on the tiebreaker track and a couple other things. Um, So you're going to play this card down. If your card is higher than the card that's there, your gift is better than what's already there, then you get to take the action. If it's not higher, then you're forgoing the action, but you're going to be getting a better card in your hand for later so you're trying to do all these things over i forget how many rounds it is but you're trying to give better gifts so you can take these actions so you can help contribute the most to all these different locations uh one of the interesting things about this is there's this um emperor track in the middle where you have to climb up these steps to get to the top of this emperor track if you don't do that you can't even win the game um so i do like that in games we've talked about that before um, so everybody's trying to focus on that while also trying to do the other things that surround it to score points. It looks fantastic. It has awesome components. Um, I always want to play it, but I don't really remember how to play it that well anymore because it's been a while, so I don't want to relearn it and have to teach it. But um, if somebody knows it and wants to play it, I'll gladly play it with you. I like it. So my 69, Goo Gong. I feel like I remember it fairly well. I remember the card thing. That's where my knowledge stops. Well, yeah, but the cards then like you just do what's at this at the well i places. guess i guess that's true that's true it's not difficult and actually yeah it's not good at two it is absolutely not good at two um but any other player account i think it's really good we need to play it with some other people that will appreciate yeah. it agreed all right my number 69 is a game that we played this not out of for a while um and I like it because there's just so many different routes that you could go. Multipass Victory is my jam, and this game is Witchstone. So Witchstone, I don't know, you're a witch, I guess. <laughs> I'm not sure of the theme. Yeah, your witch is trying to get this energy to connect to the Witchstone. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. I don't know. It, it, it is a weird theme, but it's a lot of... um. What would I say? It's action selection. But in order to choose your actions, you take these pieces of, I don't know, which stone. I don't know what they are. Uh, whatever they are. Off of like your, like. You're, put, you're putting them in your cauldron. They're going into your cauldron. They're not coming off your cauldron. They're going into your cauldron. And you are matching the symbols for the different type of actions and that becomes the strength of that action. Um, But there's so many different ways to score points in here. You can uh, get these bonus cards. You can put out paths um, between witches and the witch stones, which in like a ticket to ride kind of scoring mechanism. Um, Gosh, is that the fate track with the owls on it? Uh, yeah, I don't even know what the tracks are. I forget what <laughs> I it's called. Idea. There's this other track where you move up and, um, it gives you bonuses for other things that you've done up to that point in the game. Um, that's the magic wand track. I know that one. Okay. The magic wand track. Great. Where were you on the other one? It's a pentagram. I know that. Okay. Uh, 
the uh, witchy theme really is fairly light other than you actually yeah. have you actually have these little um like witch meeples that you, are your people that you put out <laughs> that's about it um otherwise just a really fun game because you can kind of choose which path works for you um like the ways that these little stone thingies i guess those aren't the witch stones but maybe they are the witch stone is the very center of the board okay so it's not the stuff that you put in your cauldron correct i I don't know what that is yeah those are just the actions i don't know what they're called whatever they are they are the actions i'm doing a really good job and this is a jason explanation right here that's Um, true it is i'm rubbing off that's disturbing on so many levels uh (laughs) but those like that i you know based on how they come out maybe that's going to kind of dictate where you're going to focus your efforts what's going to work for you in your game and it's going to be different really from game to game. And I, I just find that really interesting. No game is going to be the same. Um, no people, two people are really going to play it the same. And I, so far, I feel like they're all viable um, paths to victory. But maybe that's just me thinking that because I feel like I've done pretty well most times you played it. I, I don't know. It's just a really fun, interesting game. So it's pretty high for now. My number 69 is Witchstone. Yeah, and you get like 13 turns or something, and the actions and combos just explode. It's awesome. Yes, I do. I love that, too. All right, so my number 68 is a game that Katie really likes. Uh, It's probably her number number one. Oh, yeah, Um, for sure. And this is from the Italians. I'm not sure which ones. Uh, But the game is First Rat. And this is a game about these rats that are building a spaceship in a junkyard to get to outer space. Or the moon, I guess, because they think the moon's made of cheese. So the way the game works is uh, you have these rats, and you're going to move them along this path, always up toward the top. And you're going to be moving a certain number of spaces if you're moving one, a certain number of spaces if you're moving two. But if you're moving multiple mice or rats, they all have to land in the same color space. So you're trying to figure out what you're doing. You're trying to get on these different spaces to collect like different bits. Like I think there's a calculator, a can... Um, different kinds of stuff that you're building your space, your uh, rocket ship with. And along the way, uh, there's some other tracks you can go around to collect these comic books that are going to give you special powers. There's these in-game goals that you can hit. Uh, you can also steal these things, but they send you back to the beginning. Um, but you can get them for free instead of spending cheese. Um, you can spend... If you hit certain criteria, you're going to be scoring these in-game goals that are these little tracks on the board where you're putting cubes on to score points. I really like it. I think it's it's a pretty simple game, but I like the decisions that I have when I'm moving and collecting. It's basically a set collection game and moving on tracks, but I like it. And I love the Italians. The Italians probably make this go higher for me just because I know it's them, um, but I still like it. So my number 68, first rat. Yeah, I just I just don't see the appeal. I, I can't figure out why you like it so much. It's just not that fun of a game to me. I, I don't get I it. mean, every game is not for everybody. <sighs> That's true. That's true. Which, my number 68 is one of those because it is an Uncle Vito game. And it's it can be a little tricky. But I feel like the first time I played it, I had a bad experience. I played it again and actually understood the rules. Much better experience. And that is Vino's. Now, I think there's two different versions Right. Yeah, there's an old one from What's Your Game, which is the one we have, and then there's a Eagle Griffin one. Okay, I don't know the differences between them. 
I just have played the one we have, and I like it. The first time we played the Eagle Griffin one. Okay. And you didn't like it, so. But, but I don't. I don't know if the fact that it was the Eagle Griffin was the reason I didn't like it or not. No, it was the teach, hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. So I had a rough teach the first time. Since then, um, you are working on your vineyard in Portugal, obviously. Where else are you going to be with Uncle Vital? So you're planting vineyards. Um, you know, you're getting the capital to do that. You are selling the wine that you're making um, on the international market, I think. Or some of the wine also then can go to like uh, this wine festival for judging. It's been a long time since we played this one. No, no, you're right. You're right. Am I right? Okay. Every like, at the end of every so many rounds, it changes. It'll go from like four, three, and two. You have a wine festival. The wine festival, the judging part, still, I feel like we're still a little fuzzy on. Uh, I yeah. After I did the review, before I did the review, I think I kind of grasped it. So I think I got it now. But what I find really interesting is to make your choices for what you're going to do in your round you're moving around this i don't i don't know it's like a set of squares i don't it's not a yeah, very it's, it's a three by three grid it's this grid so actually in some ways it reminds me of the grid that you have for movement and um passing through petra yeah it, it is i think it is the same yeah okay there we go i'm not completed yet so you can take some actions, you can take all these kinds of actions, but you have to, t- in order to take ones that don't cost you money, which, oh my gosh, you never have enough money in a VTAL game, I swear, uh, you're going you're gonna to want to move to the actions that are closest to you on the grid. So you may end up taking things you don't necessarily want to do um, because it's closer to you and it's not going to suck on your resources, right? I just find that a really interesting mechanic, like making the most of where you are um, on that kind on that um, action selection grid while balancing like, okay, I want these kind of grapes from this region. Um, okay, is a good time to sell now? Is it not? Should I take money? I think in the Eagle Griffin, don't you have to like you have money in the bank and you so money exists, but you can't actually work with that money unless it's you take it out or something. No, that's how it is. Yeah, you have to go to the hmm. bank and take take money out so you have it on hand. So like money is in two different areas. So kind of managing where your money is and to be able to access it. It's just, I really, I really liked it. And I would like to play it again. It is, again, one of those, it's not as difficult as, say, Lisboa, I don't think. Um, so I find it m- an easier one to play more often, like let's say the gallerist because of that. But just lots of really interesting choices. Again, not super difficult things to do on your turn, but what plays into what, what do you need in order to do something else is really important, like most VTAL games. So my number 68, Vinos. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I don't know where it is. We might have talked about it already on mine. I don't know. Who knows? Who it doesn't knows matter anyway. Games are. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So my number, who cares? Um, <laughs> oh, Sixty-seven, but who cares? Uh, is I what's his name? Serge Legette, I think. Game, and it is called. Yeah, it's R.I.P. I know that he died, uh, and it is Nidavellir, and this is a game about Vikings, right? Vikings. Dwarves. 
dwarves. Well, they're in Nidavol. Yeah, dwarves. Yeah, dwarves. And you are trying to basically collect different sets of dwarves. That's effectively the game. And you're doing that through this interesting bit auction bidding thing where everybody's going to have, I think, one, two, three, four, five coins. And you're going to be putting these coins face down on the three different taverns that you're bidding for. Then everybody, once everybody's bid, they're going to reveal the top tavern. Whoever has bid the highest gets the first pick at the dwarf at that tavern. And you go down, so forth, so on and so forth. You also have a zero coin. Then once you play that, you're going to be able to add the two coins that you didn't use together and replace the highest one with the the total from the bleachers of coins. It looks like bleachers, which is pretty silly. Um, but it's a really fun game. All the art's in this cool like black and white style. You can get a pile of points. There's tons of different paths of, of victory here. We have an expansion. You don't even need it. Uh, but you can do a whole bunch of different things to score the points in the way you want. There are these special cards that once you get all five colors, you get this extra card. These extra cards are going to help you. Uh, played over two phases. At the end of the first phase, you're going to do some awards. Whoever has the most of every color. Um, and then at the end, whoever has the most points is the winner. It's super fun. It's pretty easy to teach. Everybody's playing at the same time, so it doesn't go on forever. And I really like it. So number 67, Knit of Lear. This is such a good game. I don't I don't know where this is on mine, but I'm a, pretty sure it's in my top 100. My number 67 is a game that I don't get to play that often. But it's really fun. It's super got these nice chonky pieces to play with. And it's a cool theme. And that is Victorian Masterminds. Um, is this a Simon game? Uh yes, Simon. Is Eric M. Lang a, uh, yes. a co- co-designer in this? Look at me go. Two for two. And Antoine Bowser. Oh, I forgot about Antoine Bowser, who I actually really enjoy and is probably more of a draw for me than Eric Lang. But um, I really like this game. So, Victoria Masterminds, you are like a villain. I just like the villain games. And you're making this doomsday machine and they all look different, which I think is really fun. It's got this very steampunk-esque theme to it, which I also really enjoy. Um, In order to build this machine, uh, you are using these gears that have uh, your different minions on them, let's say. And you're playing them face down these different locations to get different things. Uh, Like nuts and bolts and like parts and pieces or to like go and like capture or destroy like um a famous landmark which are also really cool miniatures like and completely unnecessary but super cool right um the thing is like when you go to a space you don't get the stuff right away you have to wait for that space to fill up to a certain threshold of um like worker pieces. And once they're all there, then that particular site fires off. Also, your workers have powers. Maybe they will double the amount of things you get there. Maybe they negate the person who went after you. Oh, tricky, but you're an evil mastermind. Um, it's, it's fun and frustrating and interesting. Um, a cool theme, great production. I don't see people talk about this a lot, and I really think it's super underrated. I think we got it fairly cheap, um, just like a random buy, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure. Um, But it is definitely worth a go. So my number 67, Victoria Masterminds. 
Yeah, this is a good one. This is the, I mean, yeah, we've had a lot of Eric Lang games on the, this list and the videos actually, which is surprising. Probably Weird. not done, but we'll see. Hmm. Um, so my number sixty six is a roll and write game about racing horses, and it is called Long Shot the Dice Game. And this is you're rolling two dice, you're racing these horses around the track, and you're betting on them. You're trying to bet on the horse that's going to get first, second, and third um, to earn money. You're trying to get ownership stakes in these horses because if they win, you get extra money or they have special abilities. And you're also trying to make sure your concession stand is up and running correctly because people are there to bet on your horses. They need food and snacks. So you're also doing this little concession stand bingo-y little thing off to the side to get extra bonuses. Um, Everything you do is going to give you some kind of point in some way and you have tons of ways that you can do that however you want to and i really like that it's not long and it plays a bunch of people i think you can play like eight people or something which is pretty cool um and i just like it i haven't played long shot the actual game but long shot the dice game is fun and it is my arbitrary 66 yeah this just one doesn't hit me the same way i don't i don't know what it is about it but i i just i don't know i like it Good. Good for you. Proud of you. Glad you like it. Every game is not for every person, as we have talked about on multiple occasions. So instead of that, gosh, this is an Eric Lang game for my number 66. What the heck? What is this channel coming to? Is this Simon also? Uh, Yes. Oh, my gosh. I don't even know myself anymore. (laughs) It's a good game, though, so it is, it's okay. It is such a good game, and it was, like, super cheap for a while there. I hope it's not hard to find because it's, it's good. It, it might be. They might have sold them all out because they were selling <laughs> like, sold giving copies away, basically. for $10. Uh, the game is The Godfather, Corleone's Empire. Okay. I've never seen – true confession, never seen a Godfather movie. Never seen Scarface. Never, I just haven't. I just haven't. Never. But that didn't stop me from enjoying this game. So in this game, you are a mob family. I mean, clearly. Who doesn't love to be a mobster? So you got your miniatures. Again, I can't believe I'm saying that. They're fun. Then you got New York. You got your boroughs. You got you got the island Manhattan. You got the different areas, right? I got to go into my New York a little bit here. So you, it's ba- you're basically doing some contract fulfillment, right? Going to these different places. Um, you're gonna shake down a, a place, get you some stuff. You know, you got we're dealing in um, booze and weapons, you know, and drugs sometimes. At and one dirty point. money. And dirty money, money laundering. You know the classic, the classic gangster stuff. So you're collecting those items to fulfill these contracts. Sometimes when you complete them, complete the job, something happens. Maybe you got a car bomb that goes off in part of the city, blows up some other of your rival mobsters, whoops, into the Hudson they go. Okay, so it can take that, but you're really just trying to fulfill these contracts because you're putting banking actual money, so dirty money, into your briefcase, because the gangster with the most money wins at the end, right? 
You can also like bid some of that money to get these really powerful cards to be able to use to get you maybe more stuff, get you an extra person to work with you, work with your team. Um, oh, everyone we've played this with had a good time. Like, yes, let's take that. And yes, people get thrown in the Hudson. But it's they come super back mean. The next round. It's so it's super it's mean. so mean, but it's so fun. Like, um, because so I also really like um, Sons of Anarchy. Um, does that have a subtitle to it? I don't know. Men of Mayhem or something. Yeah. I really like that game. But then you have like turf wars and stuff and you actually have to like, okay, this many people are fighting. Okay, how many people you're fighting? Okay, who how many people go to the hospital? Like it's it's fun but messy. This is just like I show up here, I set off a car bomb, bam, half your people are in the Hudson, see you next round. Done. You can you can whack me back. That's fine. It's expected. It's the mob. You whack me, I whack you. Right, it's just how it goes. The get so the game it really it's quick. Um, even it's mean, but the meanness doesn't last that long. And it's pretty equally distributed. There's some area control. I always stink at that part. It's fine. Um, I'm too busy like finishing jobs and contracts and raking in the dough. If I have to control a territory, I do. If I don't, I don't. Um, but the game is so fun. So my number 66, The Godfather. Yeah, it's a good one. I do like that game. All right, my number 65 is another Bruno Catala game. And it is one that has some pusher luck and actually has really awesome art once you get past the weird box. And it's called Abyss. And this is a game about... It's a set collection game, effectively. Set collection and contract fulfillment. But you're trying to collect... There's this push-your-luck thing where you're trying to get these different cards that have... They're like one of five different colors. They're like sea creatures. And they have different values, I think, one to five. And you're going to be flipping these cards. You're going to see if anybody else around the table wants to buy it. If they buy it, they give you a pearl. Pearl's the currency in the game. If they don't buy it, then you have the choice to take the card. But if you've gone five cards and that last card, nobody buys it, you're stuck taking it. So it could be a good card, it could be a bad card. Occasionally, a, um, a monster will show up, and you can decide to fight that or not, whatever, but that'll give you some kind of bonus. And then eventually, you're going to be spending these cards to get these, like, like lords or something. They're, like, powerful characters that are going to give you extra abilities and mostly points. You're trying to get as many points as you can. Some of these will come with keys. Keys will give you these underwater kingdoms, which help you score points as well. Um, and it's a race to get like seven of these guys or something in, in front of you to score points. It's a really fun game. It's it's pretty easy to teach once you know you get into it. And it has push your luck. So what else do you need? So my number 65, Abyss. Yeah, it, it, it was hard for me to get past that, the look of the box art because it makes it look like this really dark, I don't know, fighting game. And it's it's not... And the inside does look way better. Uh, my number 65 is, gosh, I love this game because it's Asian-themed, specifically Japanese. It's adorable, and it's trick-taking. I love all those games, all those mechanics and things. Some of those aren't mechanics. I just love all those things. And that's why I love Hagakure. Um, actually, someone 
I think posted about this in the Riveted or something saying, hey, I think my wife would like the game. Yes, this game is so good. So in Hagakure, there's only two suits. You have regular villagers and then you have samurai. That's it. But you've got this bidding thing like, okay, how am I going to take? You have to take at least one, but maybe you're like, oh, I I feel really good about this hand. I'm going to double my points or I feel really bad about this hand. I'm I'm never going to take one. So I don't want to get negative points. I'll say zero. Or, ooh, I think I can get a lot of villagers, which is tricky because you don't have to follow suit if you play a villager. Only if you play samurai. And there's these old fools to throw in the mix. Old fools really are worth zero, except they're samurai. And the last one played actually wins a trick if more than one is played. I, what? It's so, it's just so good. It's short. But again, very classic trick-taking kinds of things. So easy to teach for people who understand euchre, heart, spades, that kind of thing. Um, Artwork, love it, love it, love it so much. Um, Very clean, good size. I think like tarot-sized cards. Um, But just really easy to pick up, turn around. um, And and kind of a a nice twist on a general like euchre type game. So good. Um, one of my favorites. Number 65, Hagakure. Yeah, we talk about this a lot and it is it is a good trick taking game. So my number 64 is a Fister game. And by Fister, I mean Alexander Fister. And this is a game we actually don't own, but um, it is good and someday we'll get it. And it is called Boone Lake. And in this game, what you're doing is you are basically setting up settlements on this map. It's like Old West theme, kind of um, go west, young man, that kind of thing. And you're uh, setting up cow pastures and you are building these different types of settlements on these tiles to score points. And as you're building things, you're unlocking abilities on your player board to score you more points. Um, there's this interesting river that flows down the middle of the track as well. That's going to determine, you know, it's kind of the game timer. Some things are going to move that when you're taking these different actions that you can select. There's like a tile selection thing that you can pick. And when you move it, you take it from the, where it is down to the bottom to make it less exciting for other people to take. Um, and this is also one of those games where if I take an action, everyone else can do a, a slightly weaker action but it's still in the same vein of what I'm doing. So there's always something going on. You're always involved in everybody's turn. And it's got some awesome card play um, along the lines of like Maracaibo, where all these cards just give you crazy special abilities and maybe some in-game points. Tons of stuff going on in this. We've only played it, I think, once, but, man, I love it, and I would love to play it again. And it's pretty high because I I like it. So my whatever number this is, um, (laughs) 60... Four, four is Boone Lake. Yeah, I remember really liking this one. Um, I don't know if this one or Maracaiba was the first Fister I ever played. I guess it's not true. I played Great Western Trail, but it was terrible. Well, you also played Broom Service. Oh, yeah, that's true. Th- that was probably the first one you ever played. That's true. I hated it the first time, and now I love it. Um, but I-, I remember liking it. I just, gosh... It's another one of those where the box art does the game no favors whatsoever. Oh, Clemens Franz. Our boy Clemens Franz. Oh, bless his heart. (laughs) 
Clemens. <laughs> you sweet thing, you. He's probably got some awesome like pictures hanging in his house that just blow everybody away if you saw him. I mean, I don't have a bunch of board game box art to my name. Well, that's, I mean, that's true. He's raking in the cash from drawing so some boxes. I'm not disparaging. <laughs> that's Cle- true. Clem, as I like to call him, um, he can do whatever he wants. I, I don't really call him Clem. We're not close. There's a restraining order. Uh, my number 64 is, I have no idea who makes this. I have no idea. I, I don't know anything about it other than I like this game. I, I can't remember if we backed it on Kickstarter. No, they sent it to me for a review. Oh. But it is so good. It's like a pick up and deliver game, but it's really fun. And that game is Taxi Derby. I don't know if this is hard to find now. Um, I feel like we had trouble getting it or something. Yeah, I think it's just on their website or something. I don't know. I have no idea. Um, but in Taxi Derby, you're a taxi driver, obviously. But the cool thing is there are different types of taxi drivers. Um You've all got your home base. You have different abilities. You also have like different um, upgrades in your car. And that matters because sometimes different passengers want different things out of your cab. Like maybe this is a little old. Maybe this should be like they need to update this to like Uber Derby or Lyft Derby or something. Um, Maybe you get a partnership going, branding. It could happen. Anyway. So you are picking up passengers because you have a certain number of moves because that is considered driving the speed limit. You can also speed to go a little further on your turn, but you also then have to roll the die for the police because they are looking for you to speed. So you can get a speeding ticket, um, too many speeding tickets. You're going to be going downtown. They don't like that. You're losing your people in your cab. You're trying to collect cab fares. There's also kind of... um, I don't I don't know that it's an area major. It's almost like um, a set collection in a way of different getting the most of different types of passengers. So you can score that way. Um, you also get some some points for your upgrades that you choose to do to your cab. It's I it's just like a it's a pick up and deliver game, but with a really fun theme. Uh, I like the components. Uh, we always have a good time when we play it. So number 64, Taxi Derby. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's Crazy Taxi, the board game, which is cool. What's Crazy Taxi? It's like, a, you don't remember that at the arcade? Like when we were in, I don't know, elementary school or junior high, there was this game called Crazy Taxi where you're a crazy taxi driver picking up people and trying to do, get them to their destination. I, I didn't go to arcades. Oh, all right. Well, you're missing out. <laughs> I only went to Chuck E. Cheese that had arcade games, and I only played two games. The Ninja Turtles game with, like, the joystick and stuff, and, and the Simpsons game, where I was okay. always marred hitting people with the vacuum cleaner. Well, this would have been around the same time as that, probably. I, I don't remember saying that, but sure. Sounds great. All right, so my number 63, <laughs> moving on, uh, is a game from Buffalo and uh, Phil Walker-Harding. It's a basically an intro to deck building-ish and this is called Summer Camp. Uh, this is a really fun game about um, being at summer camp. And you're basically doing deck building through these different types of events at a summer camp. Maybe cooking, water sports, or water games, whatever. Friendship. And you're try- friendship, yes. And you're using these cards to move up on these tracks. And there's like the three different tracks of the three different types of things you're doing at the camp. And you're trying to get past certain thresholds before other people 
to score badges. And these badges are going to be worth points. And if the, whoever makes it to the top of each track first gets the most points. So you're doing deck building, but it's also a race, a three different track race, which is pretty interesting. Uh, it's, it's, it's Buffalo. They make great games. Uh, Phil Walker Harding, he's amazing. And this is, if you like deck building, if you've played a lot of other deck builders, this is going to be simpler, but that doesn't mean that it's not fun. And I really like it. So my number 63 summer camp. Okay. This is a a good game. Like it's a good deck build intro. But number sixty three on your top one hundred? We've already gone over this. My list is arbitrary, okay? I it just doesn't make it defies all logic. I don't know. I did the stupid pub people thing and this is how stuff came out. I think next time when I do it, I'm gonna do a better job of curating and go in and actually like adjust. Summer camp at 63? Okay. If you think um, that's egregious, wait till you hear my number 62. My gosh, I can already see it. Um, on an actual list that makes sense, my number 63, I think it's Bruno Catala. Yes. Oh my gosh, look at me. It's also made by Days of Wonder. It's like I finally learned something about games. Um, the game is Five Tribes. Five Tribes is, I don't know, maybe, have you already talked about this one? It might have been on a video or later, earlier on in one of these episodes. I'm not sure. Who but. knows? For some reason, it was ranked lower than Summer Camp. Um, <laughs> but Five Tribes is Mancala. You have this uh, grid of, I don't know, places in the desert um, laid out. And you uh, there are these different colored meeples spread out across it and you will pick up a group of meeples at one spot and you will drop one at a time so you reach final destination then you take all the meeples of that last color off and depending on what color meeple is is what happens with that action um, there are meeples that allow you to buy cards in a set collection type way for points um, there are meeples that allow you to get a genie that comes and does work for you, um, will give you cool powers, which I really love. There are some that are just straight points. There are some that assassinate other people's cards and items. There are some that... Uh, let you buy cards from the market. Yeah, I already did that one. Because I was thinking uh, between the kill viziers... Kill other meeples. And, yeah, I talked about that. Viziers and um, the white ones. What do the white ones do? Uh, I'm, they're the ones that let you get genies. Oh, and the views, these are just points, right? Yeah, whoever has the most of those gets points, at the yeah. extra points. Um, and then if you clear off a tile, like you can, sometimes you can place camels there. You can place um, like an oasis. You can place, um, I don't know what they call it in the game, but it looks like a little castle-y type thing. Uh, temple. No. Palace. Palace. A palace. And all of those things, I think, are these really nice. I like the colors they chose for the players' colors. They're like these chonky, really tactile pieces that not only are they good because they give you points, um, but they also are fun to play with, which is what I do. Uh, but the idea, the hard thing about this is you can kind of plan ahead in your turn, but the board is changing all the time. But it's, again, very simple. I pick up all these meeples here. I drop one at a time until I get to the end. The last color I have, I take all those. 
But the planning and the strategy and thinking that out and where you want to go, again, different paths to victory. Um, I like to use the genies. I like to use the viziers. Other people really like the set collection piece. Um, there are points in all of that. And um, that's I just think is such a good game. Definitely a staple in the collection. My number 63, Five Tribes. Yeah, that is a good one. Uh, I'm pretty sure I've talked about it already. Uh, that's disappointing. Uh, my number 62, another disappointment, um, is also from Phil Walker Harding. And this is a simple draw a card, play a card game, set collection game. And it's called Archaeology, the New Expedition. Uh, I really like this game. You're going to rag on me. That's fine. Uh, this is a game about collecting cards to make different sets of like artifacts to display in a museum. Every so often, a, a sandstorm will show up. It could make you lose some cards in your hand, or sometimes a thief will show up, and it could have somebody steal a card from you. Um, there's also these uh, monuments that you can go dig for cards in to help you in your quest to get the best sets of cards that you can get. Um, that's the game. Yeah. Uh, set collection, really fun, quick, and I like it. So number 62, Archaeology, the New Expedition. It's I like it. It's just... Not number 62. Jeez Louise. <sighs> My number 62 is a great game. And um, we play this with the Valhalla expansion only because I think it adds something really great to the game and takes out a negative from the base game. And that's Champions of Midgard. This is from what? Gray Fox Games? Yes. Dang! I actually don't know who the designer is, but his name's Ollie Steinus, the same guy that did Police Precinct. Cool. Anyway, uh, Chambers Midgard, you are Vikings and you're doing Viking things, right? So you are, it's worker placement. You're also collecting dice. Your dice are warriors. You're placing workers to collect. You're placing your workers to collect the dice. So recruit the warriors. Um, you might need food, other kinds of supplies. You can pick up. Um, like in-game scoring goals, some runes, things that will give you special abilities. And then you're also placing workers on place you're going to go fight. Um, you can fight trolls. You can fight joggers. You can go out, uh, get a boat, go out to sea, fight some sea monsters, right? All different places to fight. Valhalla expansion uh, adds a couple different types of dice and also a way to make use of the the dice that don't make it out of a battle because that's what happens. Um, which a lot of people say, well, you know, in the base game, I, I did all this work. I got all these these fighters um, and then I lost the battle. And so I'm done. What a waste. Um, with the Valhalla expansion, those workers, then you get um, little chits that represent those different ones and you can cash them in for bonuses for cards for points um all kinds of really cool stuff which i think just takes what's already a good game to the next level uh it's a table hog it's a beast we've got the mat for it which i i highly recommend if you're playing with the valhalla it just keeps everything organized better um but at its heart again worker placement but lots uh, multiple of victory again I, that is one of my absolute like almost musts for a great game is that there be multi I can do my own thing. I'll have to do what you what you're doing. I got my own thing going. 
um, the the gold cards kind of help with that, help dictate like, oh, maybe I want to do more monsters out to sea, or I want to fight the trolls, or whatever. Um, I, I yeah, it's just we, at first I'm like, eh, I'm over it, you know, fighting. We've played it a couple times recently. I'm like, yeah, this is this is stinking good. So my number sixty two at a, a logical placement for a, ga- a good game, <laughs> Champions of Midgard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it is a good game, though. Uh, my number 61 is a game that I've played with regular, like, actual people once, but I've played by myself about four times, and I, I really like it. And i played it by myself more because I think I like it more. And that is Come Together. And this is a game about running basically Woodstock. Uh, you're basically setting up stages and getting different musical acts to come perform. You're also setting up food vendors. Because you got to have food. We saw what happened in 99 when they didn't have food. Uh, or whatever year that was. And um, this is done through some worker placement. Where you're going to be sending these different workers out to different spaces. You might have to send more than one to certain spaces. When you go there, you can take a card or do the actions there. But eventually, you're going to want to have... You're going to want to fire these worker spaces off. So if there is a card, you can't take it. But there's some other bonuses you can get. And I have this other worker that I can put on the round marker. If I go there, I get a bonus. It progresses the game along. And then I can select one of the six areas where I want to fire off. And everybody who has workers there gets to get the cards that they've, they're marking and get some kind of bonus to move up on some tracks. It's a game about moving up on tracks, collecting cards, scoring points to run the best music festival that you can. Um, it, it's, I like it. It's fun. It's different. Um, and yeah, 61 is where it sits. But my numbers don't matter, so who cares? So 61, come together. Yeah. Um, I, w- I would like to play that more to see if it really stands up, but it was fun. But it, again, it's like a new, a new, a new guy. I don't think a new guy gets to walk in to the top 100 so quickly. A little more cautious. Like whenever 61, um, there, I, I grouped the two versions of this game. Um, Stone Meyer, I believe. Yeah. It's the new one. Yeah. Did the reprint. Uh, originally some random company I have no idea. Yeah. Um oh wait, I'm gonna get the designer. I know the designer of this. Palomori. Yeah, yeah, I like yes. this designer a lot. Yeah. Yes, as as do I, and I like this game, and that is Libertalia. So both Libertalia and Libertalia Winds of Galecrest. Um, I've grouped them together. They do have some differences. Uh see my blog post for the discussion on that. However, as far as general gameplay goes, I, I would put them about the same here. I happen to prefer the OG version, but you know that's part for the course in this podcast, right? Um, Libertalia, simultaneous action selection. Everyone has a hand of pirates, the same pirates. Each pirate's got a number and a special ability. This is where the cool part comes in. We all choose a pirate secretly. Keep it secret, keep it safe. And then... You are revealed together. Pirates then fire off from low, high, uh, highest to it, it lowest. Dep- it depends. Yeah. Generally. But then you receive the booty <laughs> from lowest to highest, right? Cor- correct. Yes. Um, and then meanwhile, there's also these special abilities that fire off maybe at different times because, again, we're kind of working through in a way that I really like that makes sense. Um, the phases of the day, different things happen. 
It helps kind of keep the play organized. You're trying to get the most valuable treasures. They can get exchanged. Um, sometimes you need more than what I. So good. I love that. And again, this moves quickly because we're all choosing at the same time. And then we're kind of like distributing the spoils. And it is pirate. It is stab stabby because it's pirates. But that that really goes to the theme. I think it makes it really fun. Um, I like the artwork in both versions. Um, but just the basic gameplay is really good on this game. I think it is um, really fun to teach people how to use cards in that unique way, having power start off at different times. Also, like, okay, if you're going to play this one and that card is going to take out my card, well, then I don't want to play this card because I want to get this to happen and maybe I can flip it over on you. I love that kind of like mind gamey thing happening there. Uh, so my number 61 is Libertalia. Yeah, this is a good one. Uh, my number 60 is actually a game that we played a lot for a while and I did back the expansion, so that'll help us bring it out here later. And it is Lords of Vegas. And this is a game about building up hotels on the Vegas Strip. And you're doing that by basically you're flipping a card and doing what the card tells you to do. But then after you flip that card, you're going to you're gonna buy some property, which is that card. It basically gives it to you. And then you're going to be able to spend some of your money to do some other things. Like maybe you can uh, remodel the hotel, change it to a different color. You can uh, re-roll the dice in those hotels so you can try to become the... the boss of the hotel so you have more opportunity to make decisions you can go to another person's hotel and you can gamble if you're playing with some of the expansions you can buy like these really cool cards that break some of the rules and give you more abilities and ways to score points um, it's really fun uh, every so often a strip card will come out and it'll pay all the hotels that are hitting a strip which gives you money and or points depending on how your dice are in the casino uh, it's it's really good it's fun uh, some people don't like it. I don't know why. It's it feels familiar. It feels like a another kind of game. It's kind of old, but I like it. So my number sixty, Lords of Vegas. Yeah, I like this game. I don't know. I like it a little more than you. My number sixty is a game that we haven't played that often, but it has a lot of things that I really love and so it makes me want to play it more in the future. I just don't think a ton of people would be into this game. It's a little heavy. Um, it's it's a little onerous as far as teaching rules up front I think and balancing a whole lot of stuff and that is Hallertau. Um, this, uh, this may have Clemens Franz art. I'm not sure. Oh it 100% does. It's Lookout <laughs> Game it 100% does. Um I honestly, it feels like an Uve game. I don't. It is an Uve game. Is it? Oh my gosh. I want to roll today. Also, as the episode is progressing, I'm becoming more and more slap happy because I'm so tired. I'm just saying things keep myself awake. So yes, Hallertau, Uve. I did it. Woo. Clemens Franz Art. Woo. Okay. This game, oh, there's like a lot of stuff going on. You're managing a bakery. And a bunch of other things, too. There's animals involved. Um, I think there's milk and cheese, maybe? I don't know. I don't remember it, honestly. Gosh. And it's got this really interesting mechanic where you can actually expand um, 
your influence kind of in the town, which um, in order to do that, you've got to kind of clear some rocks. So that requires some work. Um, and But that enables you to do different things as the game progresses, which I think is really cool. Um, I actually really enjoy Agricola. And I don't know why so many people hate on it all the time. Again, I never play Caverna, so maybe Caverna is better, but I actually enjoy Agricola. I don't think it's that difficult to feed your people and like get some, st- get all the different stuff. Um, Hallertal feels a lot like that, but you don't have to like check all these boxes, you know, in a way. You can do some different things. So while I feel like Agricola kind of like, fences you in towards a certain path that you have to do because that's how you get the points. Hallertau is a little more flexible in that you can do a different different things within your little farm area, but it's very the same kind of theme thing going. It's one of those games again that I think I could play better if I played it again. And I've often thought back to it and thought about it and thought, yeah, I would have done this or, ooh, I should have done this. And I could have tried different things as well. Um, I, I just really like it. It's just thinky and it kind of comes back to me. And I really like to give it many, many more goes. So that's my number 60, Hallertau. All right, my number 59 is another Bruno Catala game. And I've recently played this a couple more times since we've gotten it. And it's called Oracalcum. And this is a game about... Uh, it's it's a race of five points, basically. And the way you're getting points is you're going to draft these cards that are going to give you different t- types of tiles that have different types of terrain. And you're building this little board, these this little area on your player board, and you're trying to get certain types of terrain so you can build down these temples. If you can do that, you get a point. You're trying to defeat monsters. To, if you can get so many gold, you can get a point. Um if you can get so much of a certain type of specific terrain, you can get these big titans that come in. That'll give you a point. Uh, you're just trying to do as many things as you can, as quickly as you can, to get five points. First person to get five points is the winner. Uh, it looks real fun. It's got some cool um, some cool art, some cool standy monsters that you're fighting. Everything gives you a bonus. Everything is, every action is fun, and I just like it. So minor 59 or a calcum. Yeah, I'm kind of glad we have this. I'd like to try it some more. This is one where I'm really terrible at it, but there's enough of the, like fun things going on that I just get distracted by those, and I don't mind that I lose. Uh, my number 59 is familiar. That's because you talked about it uh, last game, <laughs> last number, and that is Lords of Vegas. I guess I like it just a little bit better than you. Uh, this is fun. Now, I had an experience... I wonder if it's the last time I played it where it just, it was, I don't think you played it with me. Actually, we played it at the maximum player count, which was a lot. Oh yeah. It was at the camp, right? No, 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 no. I played it at origins. Yeah. I played that too. It was with uh, the board game right now, guys. Were there six? How, how much was it? Yeah. I think it was full player count. It was not good. So, yeah, I wouldn't play it at that anymore. I I didn't enjoy it. I think it it just makes the board a little too tight for the way it was. Um, it was fine, but in general, I'd like it at a smaller play count. It is fun. 
not only like how am I going to the strategy of how I'm going to build my casino, what colors I think is going to come out. So there's even that gambling bit, even though you're not in the casino, like, ooh, what color is going to be flipped next? So it will pay out um, rolling the dice to try and like take over. I, I do love a good hostile takeover um, of a casino that you join up to. Yeah, it's just it's it's a really good game. So it's my number 59 Lords of Vegas. All right, my number 58, I think you talked about it on a video. It's yeah. from Druid City Games or Skybound. I don't know. And it's called Tidal Blades Heroes of the Reef. This is a worker placement game where you are collecting dice, and you're going to be using those dice to fight monsters um, that are invading the city. And you're also going to be using those dice to perform, like, tricks. I don't know. You're on these cards. You're doing tricks in front of all the people. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's weird. Um, but then there's some other spaces where every time you go there, it's going to move this boat around and make the actions better. You're going to have special abilities. They're going to upgrade as the game goes on. whole bunch of stuff going on, but at its heart, worker placement, dice drafting, game, fighting monsters. Um, I really like it. I'd love to have it, but it's expensive and hard to find. So um, that's where we are. I uh, played it, I think, maybe three or four times, and every time, it's fantastic. So number 58, Tidal Blades, Heroes of the Reef. Uh, my number 58 is from Kids Table Board Games. I think I said it right. Weird. You did. Good job. Um, I don't know who the designer is, but they're all great there. Uh, the game is Power Plants. And I don't know if... if I don't... I guess it's not the deluxe version, right? It's just a, this is just a regular version. Right, but it looks deluxe. It looks deluxe. So you've got these really cool... I, they're not really tiles. They're like odd-shaped but tiles that fit together that are going to form your board. So you're, it's tallying. What's interesting is that each game is a little bit different because you're picking different types of plants you're going to use. And each plant may, has like an associated like uh, creature, let's say, that goes with it um, that you can use power. They each have a special power. They trigger differently. Um, there's area control elements to it, which is admittedly not my favorite mechanic, but just the the thinkingness of this and the way that you're trying to place tiles strategically and fire the different um, the different powers off from the plants and the tactileness of um, the tiles, I guess, for lack of a better term, the types of tiles there are and the little meeples that come with them. Ah, oh, it's just so good and i would like to get this one out a little bit more because i really enjoy it so my number 58 power plants yep this is a good one for sure um i know 57 katie already talked about so i'm not going to belabor the point labor talia um the old version is my jam i like some of the tweaks in the new version they added some new cards but i like the art from the old one it's more piratey um, and I'm just, I played the old one more, so it's just has a special place. And that's where I roll anyway. I like the old stuff, but either way, if you like the simultaneous card selection, um, people duking it out for booty, um, you can't go wrong. You, <laughs> you can't go wrong with either version. And the one you're going to find is the one from Stonemeyer because it's the one that's in print. Um, I'd recommend that just for the gameplay because the gameplay is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, it's a great game. Palomar is a killer designer and I'm glad this came back. My number 57, Libertalia. Uh, my number 57, we don't own itself. But we own a game that has 
the mechanic of this in it and I love it so much in that game and I've played this game and I wish we owned it and I know there's other there's another version of it that's like fantasy based or something yeah fantasy yeah fantasy but I haven't played it so I'm just gonna have to go with this one my number 57 is Marvel Remax Jason vehemently disagrees with me on this because he thinks it's too short, which I get. Like, sometimes it can be short. This is a hand management game where you're trying to get cards in your hand, and this one happens to be Marvel characters, which I am a big fan of. I like Marvel. Um, But I like this mechanic even more. We are trying to make the best of the hand you've got. So you're kind of moving cards in and out, trying to get cards that fire off each other. Um, maybe a certain hero, you know, needs a certain weapon. You know, villains don't want certain heroes. Um, it's what happens in Red Rising, where you have like a handful of cards that are you trading in and out. But Red Rising has some additional elements to the game besides just this mechanic. And I, I'm just so drawn to this. I don't know what that's called, where you're just trying to get like the scoring powers of these different cards to like, I love it when they can fire off in multiple ways off multiple cards, like just getting them to overlap. So you're just like really like multiplying that score. I love that puzzly challenge. Um, I really wish you had this game or one of the games like it. I think they're hard to find, or maybe Jason tells me they're hard to find. So we don't have to own it. Cause he doesn't like it. Um, but I really like this game. So number 57, Marvel Remix. No, I think it's in between printings. So it is hard to find. But you can probably find it on BGG, I guess. Uh, my number 56 is actually a new one. Uh, we just got this game at Origins, I think. And it is Distilled. This is a game about making different types of alcohol uh, drinks. And uh, it's uh, it's not really... It's it's like an economic game where you're buying different cards and then you're using like some cards to make recipes, so a recipe fulfillment game. And it, it's different. It feels different than a lot of other games, but you're basically collecting cards to use those cards to make different kinds of drinks to score points. Everybody has uh, their own specific um, personalized recipe that they can do once per game if you can. And it's a little bit of push your luck. Um, it's just a ton of fun and I like it. That was a terrible description, but you can watch a video. We have one. So 56 distilled. Yeah. I, I don't know if I've talked about this already. If not, it's higher on my list. I think because I really love that game. So my number 56 and the last one I'm going to talk about today because I am rapidly falling asleep, fading fast is a deck builder that I have loved since the first time I played it because it's so thematically tied together and I'm a sucker for this IP and that's Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. I, I, I'm I'm a Potterhead. It's just the way it is. I know my house. I've read all the books a billion times. Uh, maybe not a billion, but I reread them frequently as well as watch the movies, as well as read fan fiction. All kind, I digress. So I'm a nerd, but I love deck building as well. And so I love that this game, you get a character from, this is based in the movies, from the movie, um, you get cards that are specific that go with them that play off what their character does and what they're like. Um, the cards that you can get, the way the allies work together, the the things that the different 
um, items do and the different allies do make so much sense. The way the cards can trigger off of each other. Um, what the, the villains do. The fact that if you play with all the chapters in order to defeat Voldemort, you must get rid of the Horcruxes first. That's so thematic. We have all the stuff for this game. I love just throw it all in there and go crazy. It's ridiculously hard. The game slaps you around so much. Um, but I've never had so much fun getting slapped around. That came out weird. But it's fun. So yeah, Minor 56, Harry Potter, Hogwarts Battle. Yep, that's a good one. All right, are we going to do the recap real quick? Yeah, quickly, because we have been going on this way too long. Sorry. All right. No, it's fine. It's not you. It's just a long list. All right, my number 70 is Yamatai, 69 Gugong, 68 First Rat, 67 Nidavellir, 66 Long Shot the Dice Game, 65 Abyss, 64 Boon Lake, 63 Summer Camp, 62 Archaeology the New Expedition, 61 Come Together, 60 Lords of Vegas, 59 Aura Calcum, 58 Tidal Blades Heroes of the Reef, 57, Libertalia, and 56, Distilled. My number 70 is The Bloody Inn, 69, Witchstone, 68, Vinos, 67, Victorian Mastermind, 66, The Godfather, Corleone's Empire, 65, Hagakure, 64, Taxi Derby, 63, Five Tribes, 62, Archaeology, the new ex... That's you. 62, Champions of Midgard. I made fun of your archaeology as I read it. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's fine. Go for it. 61, Libertalia. 60, Hallertau. 59, Lords of Vegas. 58, Power Plants. 57, Marvel Remix. And 56, Harry Potter, Hogwarts Battle. Well. Yeah, that's a lot. Yep, we are working our way towards number one. Again, I will be out of the country next week celebrating my birthday. Super excited for that. Um, But again, Several of you have been posting like, oh, here's my top 100 or my whatever, 100 outside the 100, or you've been watching the videos. Love it. Love it. Um, love to hear from you guys. Keep commenting all our socials. Um, we, we love to hear from the people who, for some reason, like to listen to us ramble on. Yeah, I, I agree. I'll be going live at least maybe once while Katie's gone talking about something. And I'll try to get a bunch of videos out that week, too. So we'll see. Wow. I, I will not. But I might try to check out a game store in Japan. I've heard good things. Um, yeah, that'd be awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah. So who knows? I don't know. I can't even think about tomorrow. <laughs> I have so much going on. Um, but thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it so much. Um, we just like to talk about games. So I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. I'm sure my voice sounds like real low. The later it gets, the lower my voice gets.